If you would, turn your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. The book of Ephesians in chapter number 2. I know this is so familiar to you, but I don't know anything in the Bible that isn't familiar. So, let's enjoy it. Ephesians chapter number 2, I begin reading with verse number 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It was amazing grace indeed that brought salvation to each and every one of us. I, I suppose the longer we are saved, the more we realize how amazing it actually is. I certainly was not worthy when the Lord tracked me down and brought conviction into my heart, and convinced me that if I did not trust him, my only alternative was hell. And that did not sound like a good option to me. And so I put myself before the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks here of the old man, which speaks of the past for each uh, and every one of us. He says in verse 1 that we were dead. We were dead. There was nothing in us that cried out to God. Now I know that Jesus lighteth every man that cometh into the world. But we were not born crying out to the Lord. But thank God through the preaching of His Word, through the witnessing of the saints, the Word of God was brought to us. And the Holy Spirit had something to work with and bring us to a place of conviction. Think of the multitudes around the world today who do not have that witness before them. And perhaps a lot of people right here within a driving distance of you who if they had to call out to God right now to be saved would have no idea how to do it. But we... We had heard that wonderful gospel. I couldn't tell you how many times I heard it preached. Through those early years, my, my dad actually took me to church. He was unsaved, but he believed it was important that we go to church. And so he took us, and then 
when we were, my sister Kathy and I were old enough, he sent us to church and uh, was insistent that Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, that we were in the house of God. And, and we did. And through that, we heard the gospel preached. And at 13 years of age, God reached into my dead soul and saved me by His grace. He said we had a worldly walk. He said we had a wicked walk. We walked according to the prince and the power of the air. Nobody had to teach us how, did they? And you remember a single time your parents ever sat down with you and said, now, this is important. You need to learn to lie. No, you were born with that ability. Sure. Uh, before you could talk, you lied. Sure. You learned as, a, as an infant that if you cried loud enough, it didn't matter with whether anything was wrong with you or not, they'd come to your rescue. Uh, sometimes it be because a diaper needed to be changed. Sometimes it's because you were hungry. Sometimes it was because you had been fed too much. But you had these problems and mom or dad would come and rescue you. And that dawned on you one day before you could even talk that you didn't have to have anything wrong with you. All you had to do was scream. They'd come to your rescue. Yeah, no one had to teach you how to lie. Can you imagine a day when your parents sat down with you and said, now, I want to teach you how to be selfish with your toys. Oh, no. Uh, watch our, our grandchildren, and one will be playing with one thing, and all of a sudden, that's the very thing the other one wanted. You've never noticed that, have you? Nobody had to teach them how to do that. Why? We were born wicked. We were born dead in trespasses, and in sins. We were deceived according to verse 3 in the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh as the children of wrath we were deceived. And most of the world resides in that deception even right now as we meet in this place. You might open this Bible and say, whatever it says, I believe it. But most of the world does not live in that world that you live in and take so readily and so agreeably what God has to say. Well, there was a time that we were just like them, dead in trespasses and in sins. But then he starts talking about the present life or the new life. In verses 4 and 5, he says, But God, but God that is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad he isn't poor in mercy? The more he dispenses, the more he has. Just imagine that uh, you go to a beach somewhere and you're walking along the beach and a few minutes before you got to that particular spot, someone had come down with a five-gallon bucket and dipped uh, a bucket of water out of the ocean and walked away with it. And then here you come just a few minutes later and, and you maybe say to your wife, to your husband, would you look at that? Somebody dug a hole in the ocean right here by the beach. Why couldn't they have gotten that water offshore a little more and it wouldn't be so unsightly? No, the truth of the matter is you would not even know that they came and dipped that water out. That's the way the mercy of God is. When he dispenses it, his mercy and his grace there's none lacking. He still has enough for the whole world. You'd never know 
any had been used up. But God, who is rich in mercy and great in love, has given us life. He made us alive. You thought you was alive. As most of the world thinks it's alive right now. Oh, you might not have considered it. But while we are here in this place, listening to this good music and looking at the Word of God, the world's pretty busy out there. And they're just doing all kinds of things. And they think, as tomorrow was, or as yesterday was, so shall tomorrow be. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. But they don't consider what happens after that. You see. But once you experience the mercy and, and grace and love of Almighty God, it made a difference in your life. And now, though the world thinks you're nuts, here you are in the house of God. Isn't that something? I mean, they undoubtedly look at us and say, couldn't you all find any newer songs? Have you even looked at your book to see how long ago those songs were written? Uh, might, might they say, you have Sunday off. That's, that's all you have is Sunday off. And you're going to go down there and let some fellow, fellow yell at you for half an hour? What in the world's wrong with you? Huh? What do you mean giving tithes and offerings to the Lord? Isn't there something you want? They don't understand us. Could you not find a newer book? Do you realize how long ago that Bible was written? Couldn't you find something newer? Uh, well, we could find something newer, but we couldn't find anything better. You can sit down and read a science book today, but it'll have to be rewritten for next year. Boy, when I was a boy in, uh, in school, the earth was only a few hundred thousand years old, according to them. That's billions. I'm telling you, I'm not that old. I'm just, I just, I'm not billions of years old. No. But we have the unchanging truth. It would not mean a thing to us if it wasn't for the love of God. It brought mercy and grace and redeemed us from our lost condition. And so he deals with our past and our present and then our future. In verses 6 through 9, we have a new man. He says it's raised, he has raised us up. And then he says we are sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm as good as in heaven. Yeah, in the mind of God, he sees me in Christ Jesus who is seated by the throne right now. I'm as good as in heaven. You So you're probably one of them fellers that believes in once saved, always saved. You can count me in. I'm one of those that believes that when God saves a sinner, he's saved forever. Yeah, but what if you did something wrong? I might go to heaven sooner than I expected. But I'm going to heaven. Yeah, it might get so bad that he'd say, I'm going to bring you up here where I can keep a closer eye on you. But I've been born again. Not of any good thing that I have done. Not of any good work that I have done. Not because of any sacrament. Not because of any experience. No, 
I'm saved simply because of the grace of Almighty God. I exercised a faith in Him, and the faith itself was a gift from God. Yes. No price I bring, as the songwriter said, simply to thy cross I cling. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Raised us up together, sitting together in Christ Jesus. He says that in the ages to come, you see, this is just the beginning. This is not the end. No. That in the ages to come through the riches of His grace and the kindness that God shows us through Christ Jesus, He says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I am saved, and I am saved by the grace of God. And by the way, anyone else that gets saved will get saved the same way. Perhaps a different experience, but the same way, the grace of God. Now, this is what <clears throat> troubles me about today. It troubles me that many of us who have lived the life of the old man that have been transformed into the life of the new man. It troubles me that it's made so little difference. You say, well, you get saved by grace and that alone and, and faith is a gift of God and you can't lose it. You're saved forever then what difference does it make how you live? It makes all the difference in the world. John Phillips says, works are not the price of salvation, but the proof. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, because he said, if you could work, and earn your own salvation, you'd spend the rest of your life bragging about it. You'd spend the rest of, the li of your life talking about, I had this experience and it saved me. Tongues did not save me. Baptism did not save me. Church membership did not save me. Jesus Christ saved me. And Jesus Christ alone. But then he says in verse number 10, for we are his The Greek word for workmanship is the word from which we get our word poem. For we are his poem. How is the writing of your poem going? When God gets up and recites your verse before heaven, what is he saying? Another writer says, No good works can produce salvation, but many good works are produced by salvation. He says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus 
unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has determined certain things that would happen to us once we got saved. According to Romans 8, He's going to make us like His dear Son. Here He says, He has predetermined that when we got saved, there were certain works that we would live in. How's the work going? How are we doing? Uh, I'm going to turn back. You can or cannot. I'll try to read it to you the way it's written. John chapter number 15. He talks about the the, uh, true vine. In John 15 and verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. So if we get saved, we will bring forth fruit. Scripture's clear. When when I was a boy growing up in, in North Florida, we had an outhouse. Some of you know what that is. <clears throat> well, we had one. Uh, on its own, between the fence and the old outhouse, an orange tree came up. It grew up to so tall, I suppose. And there were certain times of the year that had the prettiest green leaves on it you've ever seen. But in all of the years that I grew up in that old place, never saw one orange on it. It looked like it should, but it didn't. It looked like it was an orange tree, but it had no fruit to prove it. I've seen a lot of folk that looked like Christians. Talk like Christians, act like Christians. But year after year after year, it seemed no fruit. The cold would come. It looked like it was dead. And then warm weather would come back. Here come those green leaves. It was a fair-weathered orange tree that never produced one single orange. Salvation will produce fruit. There will be a difference in us. But but notice notice this quickly. He says in, in the latter part of verse 2, if it, if it bears fruit, if there is fruit that comes, then he will purge and bring forth, he said, more fruit. How does he purge? Look at verse 3. Now ye are clean through the words uh, which is uh, which have I have spoken unto you. See the word clean in the previous verse. The word purge, the same word. So how does he purge us? He purges us through the word of God. And so we come and we sit before the Sunday school teachers and we sit before the pastor and and we study on our own and we look in the Word of God and as we are looking into the Word of God, it purges us. The old trite saying is sin will keep you from the book or the book will keep you from sin is also true. If you're living in sin, I guarantee you you're not reading your Bible. So he said we can... 
we can bear fruit, but then he says also we can bear more fruit. But, but let's read on. Verse number 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth uh-oh, much fruit. So we can bear fruit, we can bear more fruit, we can bear much fruit. He says, for without me ye can do nothing. And so true it is. By the way, you can do something for a while, but you'll get over it. Yeah. In verse 6, if a man abide not in me, and he is, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. But if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Well, the whetstone, can I go to heaven with fruit? Yes, you can. But you can do better bearing more fruit. But if you bear much fruit, it glorifies God. Isn't that what we're after? Isn't that the desire of our hearts? That we glorify God in our lives? Salvation is not a fire escape. Though we do escape the fire. I'm not going to hell. I don't fear Hell. I've been delivered from hell by the grace of Almighty God and the mercy and love that He has shown toward me. But now, though I do not work to get saved, there must be works that follow my salvation. There, there should be something in me that, that causes me to desire to serve the Lord God of heaven. He has done so much for me. Should I not want to do for him? I tell you, I have grown to see a generation of Christians that it seems just wants to be sure of heaven. But being God's workmanship, created in good works, that God is before ordained that we should walk in them does not seem to be the cry of this generation. James says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. One of the things, perhaps the big thing that drew me to the independent Baptist churches was that when we started going to Maranatha Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, it seemed like to me everybody wanted to do something. We would go to Sunday school Sunday morning, church Sunday morning, soul winning Sunday afternoon, church Sunday night, visitation Tuesday night, church Wednesday night. Then old Doc Horton and I would 
sit under the pecan trees out behind the church and fold fellowship track league tracks. They would give them to you free, but they weren't folded in those days. And we'd sit there and fold them in the morning, and then we'd spend the rest of the day out around Tallahassee passing out gospel tracks. My dad was an unsaved man, and I went down and told him God had called me to preach. He said, will you live at the church now? doesn't surprise me at all. But it wasn't just me. I mean, the preacher would call a work day at the church, and we didn't have any better sense than to show up. And a whole crowd with us. And we'd work like we was getting paid good money. And we'd finish up our work, and then we'd stretch out some volleyball nets and a couple old rusty grills, cook some hamburgers and hot dogs, and we'd play volleyball until the ball hit you in the face. It was so dark you couldn't see it coming. And go back home and rest that night and right back to Sunday school the next morning. But that seemed to be most of the churches in those days. What happened? What happened? How, how did we get satisfied How did we get satisfied going to church Sunday morning? How did we get satisfied to ignore working for the Lord God of heaven? Want to make an impact on this world? We got to get busy about it. I'm telling you, the laws are coming to curtail what we do, they're coming. I asked someone one time who was bemoaning the fact that they had taken prayer out of the public school. I said, were you praying when we could pray? Well, when they tell us we can't go from house to house, are we going to cry about it, knowing that we weren't going from house to house to begin with? Many years ago, the preachers would always ask us, if you were taken to court for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? The question is still good today. It's wonderful to be satisfied that when you pillow your head tonight, if you should die in your sleep, that you'd wake up in glory. These songs bless me. My heart responds to it. Are you satisfied with the salvation that you possess? Do your neighbors know that you're a believer in Jesus Christ? Does the dog know you're saved? Are you so cantankerous he's wondering? Good works can produce, no good works can produce salvation. But many good works are produced by salvation. Do you see those in your life? If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, today would be a good day to do that. But I want to announce to you, 
God will expect some things out of you once you trust him. I want to say to those of us that are saved by his grace that God expects some things of us. We need to make a difference as never before in our world and we can only do that by recognizing that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God hath before ordained that we should walk Let's pray together. Father, we do pray. As we thank you for the salvation that you have afforded us, we ask you, dear Lord, to keep up the work of giving out the gospel tracts and giving out the gospel and inviting folks to you and to the church. Lord, you would use us to make a difference in the world that we're living in. Never, never have there been more sinners in the world than there is today. When you gave us this blessed book, the world did not know of billions of people, but we do now. Lord, help us to make a difference in the lives of those that are around us. And for all that you do, I'll thank you and I'll praise you in Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.